Hey everyone, this is Helene from Coming From The Heart Podcast, an inspirational and motivational podcast about mental health, mindfulness, speaking your truth, and never feeling alone. Going out this summer with friends should be really, really fun. You don't want to worry about drink spiking and roofing. That's why I partnered with Nightcap, the drink spiking preventative solution, as seen on Shark Tank. Their cool, innovative products slip over the top of a cup or bottle, and voila, safety in a second. They got you covered. So definitely check them out with their cool, innovative products and great gear for summertime. Please use promo code CFTH for 20% off your purchase. Hello, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us today on our Women's Empowerment Collaboration. It's such an honor to share space with you guys. So I really appreciate your time and your voice and your personal experience and expertise that you're bringing to the table today. This is our second day of a two-part panel discussion on women's mental health and an empowered journey through womenhood. The objective of our panel conversation today is to promote and capture thoughtful conversations discussing our identity as females, our experiences as females with our different varying cultural and familial kind of connections that we're bringing to the table and how becoming an empowered female and women in this world has been in our life and how we're bringing that to the table, not just personally and lived experiences, but professionally, every single one of us here is doing something in the world to really drive this empowerment forward. And so thank you so much for coming together today and bringing this collaborative knowledge and expertise to the table so that we can share this with the world around us. I want to start with our conversation today. If we can just give a little introduction of who we are, I'll go first and we're going to share your name, your mission, and what being an empowered woman means to you. So my name is Dina Tipsharani. I am a mama of a six-year-old boy and I've stepped into this world. I started with, I have my license in master's uh, social work and so I've provided counseling and mental health work for over a decade. But when I had a child, my world flipped upside down and I experienced my own mental health journey like I never had before. And so perinatal mental health has become really important in my life and learning how to find the power within ourselves to heal and think outside of the box and what healing can be for each one of us. And so that's why I'm here today. And that's what it means to me. We can just kind of go on the screen Andrea, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Andrea Donsky, and I am known as the menopause educator and menopause researcher. <laughs> I'm also a nutritionist for more than 18 years, and I am very passionate about helping people, women now in this phase of life, perimenopause and menopause. First of all, understand what this phase is, understand what perimenopause is, women over the age of 35, and to help them navigate to take control of their symptoms and their overall health. And I'm also very passionate about research. I feel like there isn't a lot of research in this area. And I love research. I love data. You know, I always say I'm like this data nerd. The more research, the better, whether it's data from medical journals or from our colleagues and friends or from an N of one myself, I'm all about research. So I just want to help women understand what's happening to their bodies in this phase of life. And that includes their minds. Mm, I love that. <laughs> Thank you, Andrea. Okay, Erin. Well, hello, everybody. 
My name is Erin Callanan. I am joining you from Phoenix, Arizona. I am a mental health consultant, advocate, and author. My company, Beneath the Brave, works to amplify people's lives personally and professionally through strengthening our mental health. And so my career has really been around helping women regain their voice. I started off running a domestic violence crisis shelter, working with women. And just prior to that, I was uh, unfortunately, but beautifully blessed with a diagnosis of bipolar disorder, which really rocked me as a young woman. But through the trials and triumphs that so many women in my career had faced, I was really empowered and was able to see the resilience and strength of women. And so that really led me onto my public speaking journey. And so my mission is really about helping women and normalizing conversations around mental health and wellness and allowing us all to stand proudly in the space that we hold, no matter our, our background or experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that, Erin. Erin and I met when I was an intern in my undergrad studies at the domestic violence shelter. And she's been a mentor and someone I've looked up to in her transparency and just like strength and finding all of the highlights in this journey of our human lifespan and what we experience. So I'm so excited you're here, Erin. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Dina. Love to you. <laughs> All right, Melanie. So thrilled to be here. It's Melanie. Uh, Melanie Rogers. Yeah, it just has an extra eye, but it looks so similar. And I actually go by Mel, right, Helene? So a pleasure to be here. Can I just say I'm amongst all these rock stars. This is so exciting to be here. I am a registered dietitian by training. So come from the nutrition world and my specialty is eating disorders. So eating disorders are totally 100% a mental health concern. And I had my own lived experience with an eating disorder many years ago and fully recovered, came out the other side. And then after that, that motivated me to go into the field. And then because there is, can believe it or not, here in New York City at the time, very few services 20 years ago. So I opened my own eating disorder outpatient clinic. It's called Balance Eating Disorder Treatment Center right here in Manhattan. So that's my life passion from my own struggles with a, a mental health concern struggle for about a decade in my 20s to then now being on the other side and trying to help others go through that recovery process, but trying to help them move through it perhaps faster than what most of us do, helping them to not take as many missteps, trying to just bring the research and the data. As you said, Andrea, I'm very, very much into the research as well to just try and improve treatment and always looking at what's next, what's next, how can we keep improving this field? So very thrilled to be here. Mm, that's some life saving. May I add something? I know we're doing intros, but Andrea, you're into perimenopause and menopause. I'm in that stage myself, and I was just reading recently, Oprah Winfrey, when she went through this stage in her life, she was having heart palpitations. She went to five cardiologists, five, before they realized that it was part of perimenopause. And I had a similar experience myself with the heart uh, palpitations and going to a cardiologist. So I just want to say, if Oprah Winfrey can't get the resources it kind of, you know, means that for the rest of us, what hope do we have? But I'm so thrilled that that's also part of what you're doing. 
Well, we definitely have a lot more information now than Oprah had back then, which is so nice. And the fact that we're talking about it more. So yes, I'm very happy to be doing this. And it's all from experiences, right? Like this is such a great group. And by the way, Helene and Gina, thank you so much for doing this. Like, this is so exciting. I'm listening to everybody do their introductions. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Oh, okay. Cindy. Oh, thank you so much. I, it is such an honor to be here. I'm listening to you guys talk going, oh my goodness. This is, yeah, this is a cocktail party I want to go to and hang out with you guys. I'm Cindy Villanueva. I am coming from uh, New Smyrna Beach in Florida, which is on the Atlantic side near about an hour from Orlando. I am a master instructor and owner of a mixed martial arts studio in Austin, Texas. Started it back in 2007. Started martial arts as an adult, not as a kid, did it to have something to do with my children. I have four kids, two grandkids. All three of my sons are black belts. I have a marketing consulting group. So I do marketing communications for mostly for small businesses, mostly for women-owned businesses, in fact, um, which I love. And I'm an author. I uh, wrote a book called Don't Fight Mad. It is about how you overcome tragedy and trauma in your life. And I use martial arts as the metaphor. So my platform, for want of a better term, is really in working with women who are in their middle ages. You know, like I said, I didn't start martial arts until I was quite a bit older. I see a lot of women who start, you know, their late 30s, they might be 40, maybe they come and they want to do a little bit just to get in shape, but they realize how absolutely empowering it is. Not that you want to walk around picking fights, but that you have a sense of confidence. And it's been a delight for me, a real joy to see women kind of come into their power and their strength and understand that, you know, I'm going to give as good as I get if I'm in trouble and I can protect the people I love. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Thank you again, Helene. This is just an absolute joy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm on the other side of menopause and man, I, I don't miss it. <laughs> thank you, Cindy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cindy. Oh my gosh. I love what you said. And it makes me want to go try some martial arts. <laughs> All right. Pallavi, am I saying that correct? Yes, you are. Hello, everyone. I am Pallavi Naidu. I just want to take a moment to thank Helene for getting me on this. So thank you so much. This group is absolutely wonderful, I would say. I am hearing so many nice things, so I take a lot of inputs from that. And then diving into my intro. So what is mental health? Okay, I didn't know that for the first 28 years of my life, what mental health meant. I came to this country in 2017 to pursue my master's and you know being an immigrant didn't rock my boat but getting married did so that's when I got introduced to mental health when I had in-laws and I started having issues and that's when I started to realize oh my god that there are like so many feelings and those are not just the in-laws that are doing that but that's like my childhood trauma that came in picture and like a bunch of layers to that Finally, to teach me what boundaries are, how to form them, how to work with them. And when I was going through this process for the past two and a half years, I came out much stronger. I know how to conduct myself right now. And it helped me professionally as well, because now I can go to my boss and say, hey, that's time up and I'm not going to work beyond this. I'm just saying this is an example. But that kind of confidence 
that was how I learned what mental health is all about and how to take care of myself. So more to come in the upcoming sessions that you have, but that's what my introduction is. And one goal that I take personally out of that exercise is to extend that hand to other women, other people of my age, my circumstance, other circumstances. I think kindness is all that I want to speak about because that's what really this world and the women need. And women need more women supporters. That's what it's all about for me. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, Pallavi also mentioned too, because you are... I'm going to brag about you a little bit. You are a brainiac. You had your 4.0 in a master's program at Stevens. You never stopped working, but you definitely, if I do recall, knew how to balance. And I think that's, you know, sorry, Mel. You knew how to balance your life with your schoolwork and also going out and having fun. And I think that has a lot to do with all of us too in the mental health sphere. But tell everybody for a moment, because I got to brag about you. You're like my child. What is your profession? Tell everybody what you do. Yes, I am a data engineer by profession. So I am into technology space. My day-to-day -day looks like dealing with a bunch of people and putting things together, putting systems together, programming heavily on Python. So that's pretty much from where I come. Like, I don't want to call myself a brainy or a nerd person, but that's exactly what Helene would call me. So I would take that. <laughs> but that's that's my profession. And I, I realized that more of my profession also deals with dealing with people. So empathizing, understanding is a part of that. You can just go like, hey, shooting commands around, but understand where the person is coming from when we solution, when we design solutions and we provide answers to certain questions so I think that's where it's played a bigger role to calm me down and understand from different perspectives but yeah that's what my role is thanks thank you Dina I love just the awareness that you're sharing and I can relate to so much of what you're talking about when it comes to like learning to develop boundaries because I feel like it can be it's not something I was taught growing up I wasn't taught to develop boundaries I was taught to be submissive and a people pleaser and the nice girl. And so I, it resonates so much with me around what you're saying with that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yep. All right, Tashina. Awesome. Hello, hello, everyone. So stoked to be here. So my name is Tashina King, and I'm coming from Denver, Colorado. And I am a high-performance coach for predominantly female service-based entrepreneurs with an emphasis with subconscious change work paired with nervous system healing. Mm -hmm. And my doorway into this world was through my own professional dance career and it feeling like it was part of my life's calling to dance and getting to a super low point where I almost walked away from 18 plus years of training, gave up on myself and by really jumping in to my own subconscious beliefs and the foundations that were laid for me about my self-worth and deservability of creating a life of my dreams. That is what really moved the needle. And I ended up then getting to tour over 13 different countries, teaching, coaching, judging, performing. And so I bring that into my coaching practice now and supporting women who are really following their heart's calling and creating a life that they just feel jazzed about and lit up about. 
and helping them break through that glass ceiling where they know they have what it takes inside, but they just can't quite get it to all line up. So that's where I love to come join their support team and really help them rewrite their subconscious beliefs paired with that nervous system healing so they can really manifest what they know they're capable of inside and live what their purpose is. And I love doing that by supporting the whole woman, not just the business side, but supporting all aspects of womanhood. So yeah, awesome to be here. Go like, snap, applaud that. <laughs> Hey, Tashina. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. And thank you for yeah. speaking about how we can heal outside of just like cognitive processing, right? I think there's so much more to us than just like our thoughts and our, I don't know, talking, right? We can do so much more to heal. And I love that you brought that up. Thank you. All right, Lindsay. Thanks. I'm Lindsay Trottier. I'm a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. I'm in San Diego, California. And my practice is called Level Acupuncture. I really work as an alternative primary health care practitioner in California. I have a general family practice. But like everyone here, I bring a lot of my own personal experiences of healing into my practice. So I attract a lot of women who are going through similar stages of life that I am. So I started my career as an athlete and I really started to specialize in helping women athletes, especially navigate their training through their menstrual cycle and through their hormonal changes at different stages of life. And then I got married, decided to have a family, learned through my own evaluation that I was subfertile because of the way I was training. So I had to learn how to navigate becoming fertile. So when I decided to have a family, it would not be a struggle because I was working with a lot of women struggling with their fertility. So I learned a lot about that and have a lot of patients who come and help with that transition of becoming more optimally fertile. Uh, then of course I had two kids of my own. So I treat a lot of moms. I treat a lot of moms in the prenatal phase and the postnatal phase. And through divine intervention, I ended up having two emergency C-sections that I did not want. However, it probably was a blessing to the rest of my patients because I learned how to heal and I learned what resources are available to women postnatally, not just with C-section recovery, but with all kinds of recovery from childbirth and that transition to motherhood and how so many women and families are kind of forgotten at that point. I struggled with my own postpartum anxiety after my firstborn, learned a lot about what it takes to heal from that to the point where I made a lot of changes with my second born through my pregnancy and postnatal period that really made a profound difference. So I felt like I knew what I was talking about, <laughs> especially since the second one was probably a lot more difficult and they were close in age. So my practice really just evolves as I grow and evolve and the patients that come in, I really have a mission to help people in my community live happier and healthier lives, teach them how to heal, not just be the person that is going to heal them or give them herbs and supplements or needles or whatever it is, but really 
I try to teach each person about their bodies, how we are self-healing mechanisms, and that they feel empowered. They feel empowered in their medical choices and their personal choices. I practice a holistic medicine. So even if they're coming in for shoulder pain, I still have to evaluate if there's some longstanding grief that might be getting in the way of their healing. And so that's a little about me and my practice. So beautiful and well said, Lindsay. I love how you learn to like read beneath what's happening, right? And listen to the body and create space for us to open up in those deeper ways. And I heard every single one of you guys say that today. And so I'd love to start there. It's like, how do we look beneath just the words that are being said to really see the person and see the power they have within themselves to heal? And if you feel called to unmute and just go for it and start sharing your your beliefs around it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm happy you started with that, Dina. I guess Lindsay, do you want to just comment on that? You just sure. Actually, I was having this conversation with a patient today that he's a, a yoga instructor and he found himself dealing with some health conditions that he never thought he would have to, being, you know, a healthy person. And so through some changes in lifestyle, he's already seeing a big difference in his condition. But I was reflecting with him that after 15 years of being in this career, it's only recently that I've really learned that a lot of people in our society don't understand that they, they are designed to heal. Their bodies do heal themselves. And that has really changed in my practice because that's the first thing now I evaluate with my patients is do they understand they can heal? Do they believe they can heal? You know, what are they willing to do? How are they willing to change? Because they are going to be the biggest factor in the results they're going to get working with me. And so that's part of been a big strategy change in how I take on new patients is just educating them on the different processes in my training, I had to learn half Chinese medicine and half biomedicine or Western medicine. So I am well-versed in explaining both to patients, which I feel like they think they understand how the body works in a biomedical sense, but they often don't. And nobody else is explaining it to them in ways they can understand. So that's been a big shift. And I, I see my patients really getting a lot more benefit than just accepting treatment or taking their herbs is that when they change their mind about healing, then we make some really big breakthroughs. That's so powerful. And well said. It's like, again, like those subconscious beliefs, right? Like, do we truly believe that we have the power within ourselves to heal? No, and when we do, yeah. that, wow. the power unleashes. You know, it's interesting where the conversation's going. I went through some major trauma and my body at the time. So we knew emotionally what was going on, but what was interesting is that my body was releasing things from like years and years ago that were coming up or, you know, things would pop up every day, something different. Like my eyes would blow up, like completely blow up. And it happened several times throughout the year that we, I was going through it, which made me do so much reflection. So I love what you're saying, Lindsay, because we really need to do the work, right? Whatever stage we're at is doing the work. And what does that work mean? It's like, 
going in, journaling, speaking to somebody, you know, finding out what it is that is either holding us back or what is that belief that we have that's holding us back from actually healing it. So I love where this conversation is going because it's not something I talk about very often, but it's something that's so crucial in terms of helping us move forward, right? You know, we've got this stored trauma, stored things that past all of our past experience programs that are going on, but how do we move past it? And that's why I think what you're doing is amazing, Lindsay. Well, it's really important, I think, for people to understand that it will continue to repeat on a cycle, whatever it is that is great in your life or what isn't great in your life because of the cyclical system that happens, the imprinting on the nervous system or at the subconscious level in our beliefs, our subconscious doesn't know time. It doesn't understand the past that a trauma happened in the past. It doesn't understand the future. It is operating as if what happened to you when you were five is still true in this very moment. And so that's where I think we really have to start looking at what was demonstrated to us early on in our childhood around aging, what was demonstrated to us around pregnancy, childbirth, what what money story were we told and did we experience firsthand? Because I mean, if you think about it, we have a relationship with every single element of life. So what is that relationship that we're having that's causing either an unwanted experience, in which case you can dive into that story that you've bought into, you don't even realize it's a story, but you keep rereading the same story from front cover to the back of the cover, and know that you have the ability to rewrite the story, you get to stop rereading it and you can get start writing the rest of your book, you don't have to keep living from what was programmed or imprinted so early on in life, or even now as an adult, it can still change. It's never a matter of it being too late. Yeah, Tashina, I love what you just shared, especially in terms of kind of rewriting that story. I think oftentimes women are given these messages of you're so strong and you're so brave. And yes, there's a lot of accolade with that. I know that for all of us on this call, we've endured trauma and had life experiences that were altering. But I really resonate with the messaging around the bravery piece and how we get beneath that, which is why my company is called Beneath the Brave, because we often walk throughout this world with this armor, this pressure of the stories we were told growing up, the narrative, the expectations, the beliefs others have about us, and how we internalize that pressure to be something or do something different than it, maybe that doesn't align with who we are. And so I think if we can really find that courage and bravery, when we take off that armor and we just get beneath that and we are authentically, beautifully, uniquely us without other people's stories or narratives or labels, I think that's really where the power is. And so really encouraging, I think, help seeking in any lane you know, as you think about all of the different women that you've helped and the line of work that you're in, many times I think when women have, you know, of course, we're strong, badass women, but when we have that message of be strong, be strong, be strong, be brave, toughen up, be the mom, be the wife, be the this, be the that, I think it limits our comfortability with getting the help when we need it and standing tall in, in that and knowing that reaching out when we need it and unpacking those layers underneath, that's really the biggest act of courage and kindness that we can give ourselves. 
Oh my gosh, totally. And one thing that comes to my mind when we say that is like, we're meant to lean on each other, right? We're not meant to shoulder at all. We're meant to support one another and be in community and hold up one another, not put the armor on and do it all by ourselves. And when we do it together, that's when we change the world. Yeah, but I also have to comment to say that as a child or a young woman or a little girl, the norms that you're given depending upon your family, the dynamics is not such that. There's competitiveness and all that that goes with it. So it's always a race, whether you were racing amongst ourselves as women or men, that the community aspect sometimes isn't really as apparent as it could or should be. So I just want to put that. And your voices here are just beyond, I mean, I don't even know if there's another word besides empowering. I'm just floating with these <laughs> coming out. And of course, I'm thinking so much of, about myself and running a podcast and everybody else's platforms out there. We're, the expectations of us that are put on from ourselves and clearly others that we should always remain strong. You're so strong. You're so strong. You can do this. And sometimes, no, I, I I can't do this. And having the ability to say, no, I can't. And honestly, recently, I'm saying no to a lot of different things that I've never said no to. And that is empowerment. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I, I love Renee Brown talking about what's the story that you're telling yourself. And I love the concept of our lives are a story and we're writing that story and we get to write that story. We get to be the author of our own story. And I think it's essential, you know, you're absolutely right, Helene, when we're children, that's not what's considered brave. Hey, make sure you get somebody to help you out. Maybe you could partner with somebody to do this. Those lessons, those are not inculcated into us at an early stage. Those are things that we have to come into at a later stage where we recognize the power and the strength that it takes to say, I need a little bit of help. But you know, one of the things and not to tout my own stuff, but one of the things I wrote in the book and don't fight mad was, you know, when you are an athlete, you don't do it by yourself. If you are a kickboxer, for example, and you're in the ring, you don't go to your corner and nobody's there. You have people there who are telling you, keep your hands up. Remember we did this. Remember when we did that, putting ice on the back of your head, rubbing your arms. You have a team of people who are there to enable you to be your best. And so one of the things I think it's so essential for us is to, you know, when we are coming out of trauma and we're like those, you know, baby deer fawns where we're kind of struggling and we're not walking super straight is to go and find somebody who's going to say to you, yes, you can. I believe in you. Here's what I can do for you to help you. Here's how I can hold you up and go on and go and be great. Because at some point, yeah, you'll be able to say for yourself, you know what? Yeah, I'm a badass. I can do this on my own. But until you have the ability to do that, you need to find that coach. You got to have those people in your corner. And if you don't have them, you got to find them. You have to find somebody who's going to believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. The other thing too, I would say, Erin, you mentioned about, you know, being there for other people at the end of it. It's so easy to come out of a difficult situation to learn from trauma, to be better and then go, oh God, I never want to go through that again. You stick it in a box, you put the bow and you stick it on the shelf. Like, I don't want to deal with that. But 
my contention is that we have a responsibility to keep that box here and to take the things that we've learned and to help somebody else not to do it for them but to give them that arm that give them that hand to come alongside to be that person in the corner who says i'm going to be here for you i'm going to help you we're going to get through this because we are meant for success we are meant for health but a lot of times it just, we need that little nudge. And if we have gone through something, I believe hundred percent, it's on us now to be that for somebody else. Some really great points there, Cindy, so well-spoken. And Helene, I was just riffing off what you said. I think that maybe for a number of us, we were, my culture, I'm from Australia. And so it's kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just, you know, figure it out. And so there's a real kind of cultural pressure, if you will, around kind of, toughing it out and, you know, making it all happen. And I totally bought into that as a young girl, a young woman. But I will tell this, and, you know, I, I moved countries and I, you know, came here for graduate school and then started my family. But the piece that brought me to my knees as a very, what I think, very capable and competent person was childbirth and becoming a mother. And in this case, for me, not having family around at all, but that's the case for a lot of a lot of women, a lot of families, that's not unique. And that is when I started to kind of look around and say, what the heck are we expecting predominantly mothers to do? You know, and we saw this also during COVID where a disproportionate number of women were the ones who left their jobs to stay at home with kids. So I know there's a lot of people out there who may not be parents or have any desire to be a parent. But for those of us who have taken that journey, for me anyway, that was the most humbling experience. And that's when I realized this is ridiculous that we don't have community. And as Hillary Clinton said, it takes a village and it really does. And so for me, that the last 10 years have been a real eye-opener to this concept of not only do you not have to do it on your own, you shouldn't. And even if you can do it all on your own, don't. Because if you do, you'll end up like a lot of my clients, totally depressed and anxious. And, and uh, you know, I don't mean to make a joke of it, but honestly, suicidal, like what the heck? How come my life is so bloody hard? And there is a gender piece there. I hate to say it, speaking in a very binary way, of course, but just want to kind of put that out there that we might be incredibly capable and we might be able to run, honestly, run ring, hoops and rings around some of our guys as capable as they are in their own area. But, you know, I'm going to also say I, I want to be able to, you know, kick back and have my martini or my glass of wine or kind of go about my life a bit more leisurely and not be so efficient and so productive. And I'm working 18 hours a day and I've got it. Like, why? Anyway, I'm just going to put that out there for fodder for us to to uh, consider <laughs> <laughs> well i and forgive me for diving back in again but i want to say one quick thing so i had the flip side of this i was a stay-at-home mom i was a stay-at-home mom for 15 years raised my kids i got pregnant my freshman year in college and helene knows my story if you've read the book you know the story but you know dropped out of ucla to come home and have a baby and you know here i am 15 years into this i have three kids 
and get a divorce, you know, and I never thought in a million years, I thought I was going to grow old, sit in the rocking chair, you know, the guy I'd been married to forever and ever. No, didn't happen. I finished my bachelor's degree when I was 40, got my master's degree when I was 50. My daughter actually got her master's degree before I did, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Whatever you are, if you are that stay-at-home mom or you are that full-time employed mom and you've got kids or you don't have kids or you don't have a spouse or a partner, whatever it is, there are messages that we get from society that's always the should. You should do this. Whatever it is that you're doing, but you should be doing this. There's always something you should be doing better. And you know, one of the things I tell my clients, if you hear the word should, that's your first clue you are on the wrong track. I love that, Cindy. Yeah. I just think that we as this group, as a collaboration, we need to take this to higher spaces because again, the coming from the heart family, Dina as my partner here in crime doing this, there are so many women out there, even in this 21st century, even after the pandemic or as we go through whatever we're going through, are still feeling that they need to do it all. I see my daughter, you have your daughters around the same age as Alexandra and it's 25. And Alexandra will say to me every day, she is now working as a field rep, she's driving, she's exhausted. And every day she cries to me and says to me, how did you do it? How did you commute your two hours a day? How did you go home and make dinner? How did you show up for us? And I said, that's called the Mental Health Podcast, Alexandra. <laughs> That's called, I was done after 10 plus years of doing it. And it wasn't that I didn't love my job. I just needed to get out. And I did. And not that I wanted to clearly go through vertigo and my insanity, but it got me out to be able to do this platform and shift into a different space in my life. But I believe that depending on if you have children out there, you guys have your younger children, Women have been doing it for a long ass time and they continue to do it. And I love when my daughter listens to these different podcasts, the Gen Zers are talking and the millennials are talking and oh my God, hello, we've been doing it for a long time. It's just that we didn't have podcasts to talk about it. And I'm not negating social mm. media because social media is great in so many aspects. It has its evils, it has its positives, but again, Women, look back to our stone ages. We are the ones, the men were out hunting, but who was doing the cooking? We were. We were having our community. We were having our tribe. So has much changed? Maybe yes, maybe no. And technology has just made our lives more insane because why? We are that much more obtainable unless we decide to shut it off. So that's my piece, guys. I want to share two things from whatever we are talking and I'm grabbing a lot of information, but then there's a lot of something going inside my brain as well. Like, oh yes, this makes the point more clear kind of stuff, right? So I want to share one example that I went through while I was going through therapy, which will align with this. And then I really want to pivot a little bit towards what Helene and Melanie were saying, because that's an important piece. So you know, we were talking about how we learn or grasp things when we are kids and maybe that's the environment. So while I was going through my therapy sessions, I just had this eureka moment one day when I was thinking, so 
there some time before i was very much diving into a perfection of things a lot and that was something that i wasn't really understanding where that is coming from because you know i am someone who can relax who can balance out things but then i was very picky about some things in the house you know my husband wouldn't keep the cup in the right place and i would go like shoot like you know my my bp would rise or something like that it shouldn't happen that way right just an example but i didn't know where that was coming from so in my therapy sessions i underwent some of the deeper things in there and what i learned was you know i got this straight from my mom because seeing her i took that up and i thought that's how you should lead life so much of my work around that was to unlearn what i learned seeing my mom my mom did not teach me to be perfect but she demonstrated that in front of me for almost 25 years of my life and i picked that as a trait that oh this is how you're supposed to be and that kind of you know created some issues and i was like oh i don't need to be because i am getting stressed being like that and when i realized that it was easier to not be perfect so now i can take breaks i just say that okay this piece i cannot get done today that's fine i'll get to it tomorrow but if i was the perfection thing coming on me from my mom i would like stress about it i would work long hours i would like you know be in the kitchen till like midnight and be like no i have to finish this but right now i just leave it or drop it that that's what i'm saying that that's the change that i see in myself right now it might be a very small change but i think it's a monumental change for me because i had to unlearn those things that i grasped on for 25 years so i i see it that way i also just right. want to comment too you're coming from india you're coming from a completely yes. different culture and i want to bring in the culture card here a little bit so i think for india from what i learned growing up the overbearance is still there i call it the overbearing culture because i have moved to the us right now and i taste the freedom here living alone you know and having my own things to do yes of course the responsibility comes with that but yes india has a lot of hierarchy a lot of uh, you can say like respect the elders kind of stuff and like as you move from west to east it gets more traditional i feel and there is more hierarchy to that and it's more liberated here in the west so that's how i see that piece like in japan you cannot leave the office if your boss hasn't left the office kind of thing so it's very like that kind of culture that i'm talking about but india is like a mix of east and west but more towards tending towards the east so that's the culture that i come from and it's always like obey what your elders say obey what the people are saying or it's mostly like people pleasing i would say for most of the times and i think that's why most indians would either not recognize that till they are 50 or 60 or they hit menopause because that's when they start realizing like my mom had these eureka moments when she started hitting her menopause and had started like having troubles and till then like most of her life i would say was 
buried under that pressure and it, it took her some years i'm not saying she's totally out of it because she is still living in that environment but i would still say that she is getting out of that zone so that's where that culture comes from i guess and it's more difficult if it's deep rooted in the culture because you have to take extra efforts and i sure feel like i deserve some brownie points for that because it takes a lot of effort to unlearn something that has been hammered to you when you're chiseled and you know it's just that kind of atmosphere that i'm i'm so proud about. of you yeah i really am flavy when we talk menopause andrea some thoughts here because culturally speaking i was just you know going to say that as we go in, so really perimenopause can start anytime after 35. And, you know, we think of menopause, we, when we make that association, we're like, oh, it's for older women, right? Or older people. And what I'm trying to do with my mission is to really say, well, no, it could be any time after the age of 35. In some cases, I mean, I have a large TikTok community and women there who tell me you were in their early 30s who are starting, right? So it really now what's, what we're starting to learn is that it's not, necessarily for women in their 50s, it could be 35. Most of women will go through perimenopause in their 40s and 50s. But the thing that's important to understand is as we're going into perimenopause and things are changing and shifting, this is going back to what we were talking about before, is that we need to be gentle with ourselves. We need to understand that it's a time when our bodies are recalibrating. So I always say, think of it as like your cell phone and you're upgrading your software on your cell phone, right? Can you use your phone? No. Do you have to be patient as it's updating? Yes. So it's the same thing that's happening with our bodies. And so we do a lot of research. My company is Morphus. We are Morphus.com. So metamorphosis, morph us as a community. That's kind of, we made up the word and that's what we called ourselves. And when we did our research with over 3000 responses from women in perimenopause and menopause, what we found out is that lack of focus and lack of concentration are in the top 10 most common symptoms. And out of the top 10 most common symptoms, five of them are physical, the other five are cognitive. And these are things that we don't talk about very often, right? You have to be gentle with yourself as you're going through this phase of life. You, the whole shoulds and the whole, like, this is, I'm superwoman, the whole, I have to do everything. I had my third baby at 41. I have three kids. And for me, it was a very tough transition. I got pregnant in perimenopause. Now I'm doing all of this, like this work. And I'm like, oh, that's what happened, right? So I'm starting to understand what happened to my body, but I've always been a Capricorn type A personality, B plus blood type. Like I am as type A plus, plus, plus as you get, <laughs> you know? And when I was going through perimenopause, I was type F minus. Like I went from the type A plus to the type, to a type F minus. And that was because I just, I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't get out of bed some days. And I remember going through it. I had nobody to talk to. I had nobody even understood what I was going through. I'm 53. And I remember I would speak to my friends. This is when I was like, probably my early forties. I'd be like, is this happening to you? Like really the mid forties. And they're like, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And when I got my first hot flash at 47, I'm like, is this happening to you? They're like, no. And I'm like, am I the only one like experiencing all this? This is crazy. Right. But now I realize is that we all have our own journeys. We all, you know, 20%, according to our research, 20% of women don't even know what phase they're in. They don't know if they're in perimenopause. They don't know if they're in menopause. So there's like all of these things going on with our bodies and our mind that we just have to learn to be gentle with ourselves as we're going through. So the whole shoulds, like Cindy, what you're saying, the shoulds and the have tos, it's like, no, 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 no. We need to relook at everything, shift our mindset as we're going into this phase of life and learn how to 
provide ourselves with some self-love, learn how to forgive ourselves. For self-forgiveness is such a big thing. And you probably, Tashina, you probably talk about this a ton in your work as a coach. We're so hard on ourselves. I always say like, we probably are more disrespectful to ourselves than we are to everyone else around us. We're hard on ourselves. We speak to ourselves rudely. So it's like just changing and shifting our mindset that we're not, we maybe we can't do everything that we did before and learning how to just be okay with that and taking the breaks that we need and asking for the help that we need. So that's kind of how I would look at it, especially as you're going into perimenopause and menopause. Andrea, I will tell you, I'm going to be 62 in September, and I would have cut my right arm off to have somebody around me like you 10 years ago when I was going, what in the hell is happening to me? Yeah, I mean, I wish I had me around too back then. I just knew nothing. And this is what the interesting thing is, Cindy, is like I've been in the health and wellness space for 23 years. So I'm an OG in this whole health and wellness kind of understanding this whole industry. 17 years in, when I got my first hot flash, I didn't even know the word perimenopause existed. I've never spoke to my mom about it, never heard about it from my doctor. My friends sure weren't speaking about it. I was speaking about it, but nobody else was speaking about it, at least in my personal friend group. Now what's so nice is that yeah, I, I have no shame around it. Like I speak about it all the time. I just say it like it is. And we just have to become comfortable with the discomfort. The more we talk about it, the less of a stigma it becomes. And the more we all start to understand it better. That would be my goal is so for we all understand as like I have two daughters. I have a son who's 20. We speak about this all the time and they understand now there's no shame around. Same way there's no shame now around getting our periods. There's no shame around going into menopause or being in menopause. I wanted to totally riff off that because you're exactly right. I didn't know that there was a word called perimenopause either. And I'm just going through that phase. And could I just stop and pause for a moment and say, women make up half of the world's population and it's the year 2023 and WTF. Am I right here? Isn't it crazy? It's so crazy. To your point, Andrea, about talking about it so openly with your kids, which I think is marvelous. And you were saying there's no shame about it. Well, I don't think there should be, right? It's just a different stage in life just because it involved this particular bodily function. There is no shame in it. And to that end, on the other side of it, with our young daughters and our young kids going through the first phase of that, through menstruation, a wonderful mentor for me, Anita Johnson, who's in the eating disorder world, who wrote Dancing in the Light of the Moon, if anyone knows of that, she talks about kind of celebrating the onset of menses. And so she created a red tent like was done in some cultures historically for her daughter and her little friends when they went through that phase. And so I've been talking to my daughter about that. My daughter's just turned 10, actually. So again, what I really wanted to say there is riffing off the idea that I'm hoping for the next generation by us starting to talk about it and also social media, Helene, with our Gen Zs and our millennials you all have a platform out there. You have a megaphone where you can be talking about this and the world can hear, not just a group of women. Well, today we're on a podcast, but I mean, historically, a small circle of women, maybe if you're lucky, talking about what's going on with them over a glass of wine or some kombucha or something. I just want to just say it's fantastic and we need to talk about it far more. Yeah, I'd love to add to this and maybe Andrea has a perspective on this too, but in my practice, what I'll see most when I'm working with patients that are struggling in perimenopause, menopause, and Helene had brought it up too, the burnout that happens of us women really pushing 
from an early age of adolescence, being a young woman, whether we have children or not, but that's going to add to it, especially if we pursue careers, is we push our bodies so hard through those early menstrual years. And there's so many women these days who have really irregular menstrual cycles, really painful menstrual cycles. And it's so common that they've accepted it as normal. I can't tell you how many women will come into my office complaining about debilitating migraines, complaining about debilitating pain or anything else. And when we get to the part where I ask about their menstruation, I'll say, is there anything else that you'd like me to work on? And they're silent. And then I ask them about their menstrual cycle and they're telling me horror stories that are happening to them every month. And I said, wouldn't you like that to be better? And they'll say, I just thought that was normal. And it's like, no, it's not normal. We don't have to accept that we should feel miserable every month because we're a woman. And I find so many women when I do a thorough history, say that's a woman in her 40s, she's coming in for fibromyalgia. She's going through perimenopause. Okay, what happened? What happened in your 20s and 30s? Well, I had four C-sections within eight years. I was a stay-at-home mom, but I also tried to work part-time and I had no family. And their bodies just went through the ringer. So they were burning the candle at both ends. They burned out their, in Chinese medicine, we call it jing or essence. It's that vital energy that we're born with that we don't get back. It slowly builds as we age, but we're really only born with so much is the concept in Chinese medicine. So it makes sense when they get to perimenopause, menopause, you used it all up. We got you through your 20s and 30s, and now you have no energy left. And that's really tough for us to unwind. And, and then it becomes, again, be, well, I've accepted my menses sucked. I accept perimenopause sucks, right? I think it's normal. I think that I'm just depressed or I'm just tired because I work hard. And it's like, no, it's not normal. It's common. Unfortunately, it's still common, which I think all of us in this platform right now are trying to undo with the people we work with. But it's not normal. And I think that when society really recognizes how much BS <laughs> women will put up with, it would make a profound difference. And going back to if a woman is a menstruating woman, that really what I'll find I have to teach my patients is you really do have to honor the cycles of your life. You have to honor your menstrual cycle. You have to understand you are going to have energy ebb and flow through that menstrual cycle. You're going to have energy ebb and flow through your fertility, through your pregnancy, through your postnatal times. It's very normal. It happens differently for women than it does for men, but it happens for men too. So trying to force ourselves to work 18-hour days between our career and our families it's going to be too much. And if you think you're doing a good job now, you'll end up in my office in 5, 10, 15 years, totally burnt out, depleted, and having to spend a lot of time and money with me to undo that. So if we just teach even our young women around us to slow down, not medicate away your menstrual cycle, just because it's inconvenient, if you have the option to learn how to heal it, it can be just a normal thing for you that isn't a burden, right? It doesn't have to be a burden as a woman.
I just want to speak to that because I've had a personal experience. So I, like many women, have had a terrible menstrual cycle ever since I got it. And I've been working for the past year with my holistic medicine doctor. How do I heal this, right? How do I regulate my body differently? And as I've done it, I've cut out things that I thought were necessary. Like I thought it was necessary to stick something up my vagina to stop my blood from flowing. And when I stopped doing that, my cramps started getting lighter. And I've always done that ever since I got a period. I was just told by society, that's what you do. If you want to keep living your life, like you've got to put a tampon in, or you got to put a period cup in, or you got to do all these things. And I stopped and I switched to period underwear, right? Something that it doesn't have chemicals in it. That's up against me all the time. And I felt a change. And it just had, I had this aha moment of like, man, even from the tampon commercials and what you're given in your little period pack. I had a period pack that was given to me in elementary school. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're given these little things and then they're told it's not a big deal. You can keep going to school. Like it's everything's going to be okay. Go on as normal. Like from the very beginning, like I was told to just clog it up and keep on going. And I'm here in my mid thirties trying to unlearn that. And my body's like, oh, It doesn't have to be this painful because you're not clogging it up anymore, or it doesn't have to be this long because you're not running yourself out. Right. So got to say that Lindsay, you're, I love what you said. It just speaks to me deeply. You all speak to me deeply. I just have so many, gosh, notes here, teacher mode, things that I like. I'm like, yes, yes to that. Yes to this. Yes to Lindsay. Yes to Mel. Yes. Yes. To all of everything you've said. I want to go back to you, Andrea, for a moment. And what I want to talk about is, of course, the stigma, the stigmas associated with menopause. And I know Oprah is speaking her truth with her little group, maybe Gail, her best friends hanging out too. They're all talking about it. I'm like, listen, you got to talk to Andrea because she's talking about this. Yeah, thank you. I'm like, I want to be on that. Yeah, I was like, you know, what about me? Can I come too, Andrea? Because clearly it's all about mental health and menopause. And I clearly could talk on this topic as well as everybody else here today. The bottom line is that when we think of menopause, what I thought of menopause, my mom had early hysterectomies. So she went through this whole weird other stuff. Unfortunately, she's not here today that I can ask her more about this. She'd be so excited and proud of this collaboration. So again, we talk about stigmas. We talk about what happens to your body. It's not the typical signs. And that's when you're putting these things out on TikTok, Andrea, and Instagram. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And what about my feet that are hot? And what about these weird bruises, because you mentioned that. And what about all this other crap that is happening to my body that is not in the textbook? We just don't sweat. From the head to the toe, all kinds of stuff is happening. I believe part of my vertigo was the fact that I was going through some type of menopause. I got vertigo at 52 into 53. I don't even know if I was in whatever menopause, peri. I don't even know, like we... (laughs) Something was going down, okay, clearly. But the point is going to a practitioner, and I'm not going to throw them all under the bus, only a few that I unfortunately had to interface with, who really were horrible in regards to everything I was going through. They had me going to all these different specialists, menopause, and I kept saying, I think it's my hormones. Oh, no, no, it's not your hormones. This test, that test. Until I saw your TikTok video about vertigo, I was like, yes, 
that's me. And really the point is that I felt validated. And I know so much of your platform is about validation. Yes, that happened to me. And maybe that's because of this. And I was doing my own research at that time, trying to figure out the insanity of what was going on with my body. And I didn't have control of my body because I was dizzy and I was going through all this stuff. But the point is that there's other things that go on besides the sweats and practitioners. And I was wearing a patch on my arm because they thought I had some type of blood sugar thing going on. No, I was eating tons of sugar. And that's not good for people going through the menopause cycle. So anyway, I'm going to stop yelling because I get all excited when I talk about this. But namaste to you, Andrea. Let's hear some thoughts. I want to real quick just create space for Tashina to say goodbye because she has to bounce off and share how do we find you? How do people find you and learn about the work that you do? Oh, well, thank you. I'm on Instagram. They can find me on Instagram at transform with Tashina. And I'd absolutely love to continue any conversation that resonated with you or, you know, piqued your interest. And just one last kind of parting thought I have with the conversation that's currently happening, which is beautiful, is whether it's via our bodies or some experience that we have in life, I have definitely found with myself and with the clients I've worked with, we oftentimes get lessons brought into our lives. And oftentimes our bodies are the messenger to get our attention. And how beautiful would it be if we were to step into a space culturally as society, working with ourselves first, but also passing it on to the generations to come of, if we were to really take time to listen to our bodies and to our inner thoughts, what messages are getting our attention early on? Because I have found so much of the time, we ignore the messages that are coming into our sphere. And then the challenges get harder, the physical experiences get more intense and demanding, and something I have found will happen to get your attention. And it'll only increase in intensity until we finally get the lesson. So how beautiful would it be if we could start to tune in and catch those lessons and those messages early on where it's purely just a tap on a shoulder instead of quite literally someone falling off a tree, breaking their ankle, not being able to work. That has happened to someone I've worked with before, but I just leave that as like a parting thought. Listen to yourself, listen to your body, and it has innate wisdom. We all have innate wisdom that we can tap into, and I just invite all of us to do that more. So thank you so much for holding this space, Helene and Dina. It was so lovely to meet everyone else. I've got to go get to my two kiddos. (laughs) So I hope to connect and stay in touch. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm sorry. I know, Andrea, you were just going to say something. Oh, no, I was just going to say two things. One is, as we go into perimenopause, the menopause is that our adrenals take over for our ovaries, right, to make a lot of our hormones. And if we're going into this space already with taxed adrenals, because we're so tired, because we're the ones doing everything, it just makes our symptoms that much worse. So, you know, and I love Dana, when I hear you saying the word vagina, I'm like, oh, this is so great. You know, it's like, we're, we're not embarrassed to use these words. Like, you know, we have dry vagina. Like I was working today and I were on a call and this woman was on, kept saying dry vagina. And my 18 year old was like, she was sitting there and she was like, 
what are you talking about? I'm like, it happens, dry vaginas and menopause. It is what it is, you know? So I love the fact that I hear you know, you're younger and you're in your thirties and you're talking like this, which is it's, to me, it's so refreshing and it's so great to hear. And you really are, your generation is paving the way. So by the time you get to perimenopause and menopause, it's going to be like, whatever. It's going to be like, kind of like your periods, right? Like it's no biggie, but for the Gen Xers in the group and for those who are listening, it's, we're not there yet, right? We're getting there, but we're just not there yet. So that's the first thing. So I'd say really take care of your adrenals, regulate your cycles. Like you were saying, really take, you know, for those who are on the younger end and be like, what can I do to prep myself before I get there? Learn how to regulate your cycles, get your hormones regulated, and also take care of your adrenals, manage your stress levels. Super important. Those would be two words of advice from somebody who's on the other side and is in menopause. And to your point, Helene, of what you were saying is, through the research that I've done at Morpheus at my company is what we've discovered is that there are 102 symptoms. So there's over a hundred symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. And when I first started on my journey and I was learning about it, I had met somebody at a party and she was telling me how she created an app for menopause symptoms. An app, are there actually enough symptoms? Aren't they just hot flashes? Like I knew nothing, right? And she's like, no, 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 there's like 30 to 40. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so the way my data-driven brain is, is like, I went home, I started a Google Drive and I'm like, oh, okay, let me, let me write them. Let me like keep track of them. And I soon discovered that there are like, well over now, first I thought there were over 85. Now there's well over 102, according to the research we did at my company. So the top 10, I'm going to, and I want to read them because I think it's important for us to understand what are those top 10 symptoms is number one is fatigue. So you'll see a lot of this will resonate in terms of everything that you've been talking about tonight, women doing and trying to be that superwoman. The number one symptom for women in this phase of life is fatigue and exhaustion. So it's huge, right? Then you've got brain fog. Then you've got sleep issues, memory loss, anxiety, joint pain, lack of concentration, lack of focus, hot flashes, number nine on the list, by the way. And then you have loss of libido. So those are the top 10. Night sweats are in, I think it's number 12, right? And then you've got digestive issues are number 11. So like it kind of from there goes to different things, which is would be digestive issues and then change in body shape, which is like weight gain. So I just think Helene, to your, to your point, and I don't know if there was a specific question there is just that there are so many symptoms and the more we become aware of them, the more we can really look at helping ourselves. So my lane is nutrition, lifestyle, and supplements. That is what I focus on. That's what I want to be on Oprah's panel talking about is nutrition, lifestyle, and supplements. But there's so much we could do now. We have our toolboxes. We can kind of pick from here. If hormones is something you want to go on or look into, you can pick from there. You can work them all together synergistically. Just finding the right practitioner or healthcare provider who can help you with the hormones is an important part of it. And then kind of looking at everything. So we look at everything as everything works synergistically to help ourselves really feel better in this phase of life and take control of our symptoms and our overall health. I think a common thread I'm hearing from everybody is our empowerment really lies on the education and exposure that we have. And that's something that all of us need to learn, not just as we're like falling into that season of life, whether it's puberty or whether it's motherhood and matrescence or whether it's perimenopause and menopause. This is something we need to be aware of as we're learning about our bodies, as we're in biology classes in high school, <laughs> like understanding what lies ahead of us. I want to just capitalize, like education is huge. And each one of you guys has dropped a bomb of education today on us. And there's so much more we can dive into. And for the sake of time, I want to use these last 15 minutes for you guys to do some closing remarks on things that are landing for you and to share with everybody that's listening today, 
where can they find you? How can they learn more about this? How can they connect with you and work with you? So if they're feeling called in the area that you focus on, they can connect and begin this empowering journey with you. So let's go ahead and open it up for some closing remarks. Andrea, do you wanna share? I'll just share quickly. And first of all, again, thank you for this. It's just been amazing. I would just say, surround yourself with people that you love and that you trust, people that are gonna lift you up people that are going to be there for you when you need them to be there, when you're asked for help, like you said, I think it was Cindy or somebody or Melanie had said, like, ask for help when you need it. I love that. And then just know that you got this, know that you're supported, you're validated, you're not going crazy, especially as you're going, like, again, my lane is nutritionalized, uh, is that uh, perimenopause and menopause. So like, you're not going crazy. There's so many of us are going through it with you and there is hope. So that's what I would say and leave everybody with in terms of finding me. Well, my website is wearemorphous.com. So it's W-E-A-R-E-M-O-R-P-H-U-S.com. And then you can find me on Instagram and on TikTok at Andrea Donsky, and then also at We Are Morphous. So very easy to find me online. I'm on all the social media. Thank you, ladies. It was really nice meeting you. Bye. Thank you. All right, Erin. Well, this has just been such an incredible evening with y'all. I'm so thankful that I've been invited to share this space. You know, I would just say that as women navigate the human experience, kind of regardless of which lane we come from, there is so much power when we speak our truth. And when we have lived experience, I've heard so many of you talk about these beautiful experiences of what you've been through and, and what you've learned and how you've overcome. I think there's such power in that lived experience. While those of us here are credentialed and we've spent a lot of time in school and we own companies and things like that, I really love being able to connect with people on a human to human level, taking off that mask of what our credentials are, where we work or what we do. And so my message would just really be that specifically around mental health, if somebody finds themselves struggling, doubting, feeling alone, feeling without hope, certainly reach out and get that help. Because as someone who went from a 17-year-old in a psychiatric hospital battling self-harm and suicidality to be a confident, successful, healthy 38-year-old, I would not have been able to do that without other leaders in my life and people telling me that it's okay and speak my truth in that lived experience. And so I'm so thankful to be surrounded by so many other women who are really on this mission to come together and talk about the real life, the real talk, the real stuff that women go through at a variety of different ages and stages. Thank you so much, Erin. All right, Mel. Wow, powerful stuff. Really, really well said, Erin. My takeaway tonight is, wow. I think we only scratched the surface tonight. I don't even know if we scratched the surface. Like there is so much to talk about, right? And we're just riffing off each other and there's just just an incredible evening, an incredible evening, an honour to be here with you all. And everyone just brings such a great lens to this discussion. I think we just need to do more of this. <laughs> I think we need to do more of these and just talk about it all and put it out there. And again, I think the big thing and the hope I think a lot of us actually touched upon was for you, Dina, and your generation 
and Gen Zs who come after you is just hoping that hopefully with us trying to at least speak our truth in a way that maybe our mothers couldn't, that your generation can kind of carry that forward in the next generation. And I'm just hoping that you don't have to deal with this BS in the way that we have had to. I'm all about trying to make it easier for the next generation. So, and I mean that so sincerely. So it's been an honor tonight. Thrilled to be here and let's do it again. Thank you so much. And I agree. Like we just scratched the surface. We got to come back together. <laughs> this is amazing. All righty, Cindy. I just echo everybody. I mean, what an absolute joy. It has just been a blessing to be here with all of you in awe of your experience and the things that you've shared. So thank you so much. I'm going to agree. I think education is absolutely essential. But I think in addition to education, it's belief. Because you can know the stuff, but if you don't believe that you deserve to live a life of health and wellness and joy, all the education in the world doesn't help. And so I think it's coming alongside one another and lifting each other up and reminding each other that we do deserve joy. As far as finding me, you'll find me on all the socials. And I have, uh, like I said, I've written a book, Don't Fight Mad, a Black Belt's quest to recapture joy. You can get it on Amazon and a bunch of other places, Barnes and Noble, blah, blah, blah. But I want to say one quick thing. When it comes to transformation and reinventing ourselves, like I said, I'm in my 60s. I'm probably the oldest one on the group here. I have reinvented myself. I've been writing now for several years. And a couple of years ago, I started just kind of messing around with some fiction. I'm now in my third romance novel and never in a million years. I mean, I'm the tough black belt girl, right? Writing my romance novels, but I'm writing and they're not 20 something. They're 50 somethings and they've been around the block and they have had divorces and they've had heartbreak and cheating husbands and you name it. And they're learning that love doesn't stop when you get to middle age. So um, I'm in the process of looking for an agent right now, but I'm writing, I wrote a book, Bread Pudding in Barcelona, and something will sing to your heart. And I'm in the middle of third, book three of the series right now. So don't ever stop reinventing yourself. There's always something more exciting I to do. I love that so much. <laughs> now I want to go read them. <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. All right. Salami. I have a couple of things to say, but I will keep this short. So the first thing is thank you for this. This is a great platform, terrific speakers, great experiences, got to learn a lot. So thank you so, so much. I would say we as women deserve to be in every room that needs us, every place that needs us. It's not limited to managing cooking and children's calendar. I would say that we as women deserve to be in executive boards, board meetings, and any other thing that's there. So tell this story to yourself is the takeaway that I would give to every woman on this planet because yes we deserve to be in those places the second thing i want to really really say is we as women are conditioned to push ourselves motivate ourselves tell ourselves the negative narratives and so for that purpose have a core internal group that cheers you have people who cheer you, who cheer you and support you for everything you are, because you don't need negative. You yourself are telling like so many negative things to yourself. So those are my two key takeaways that I would want to put that out. Beautifully said. 
Thank you so much. Okay, Lindsay. Yes, this was such a pleasure to be a part of. It's so interesting. I haven't done a panel like this with so many women from different backgrounds, different professions, different stories. But one thing that I really loved was how much we all really resonated in the same message and how we bring that into our professional and personal lives. I think Colleen had asked us to you know, do a soundbite on how women can connect. And I think it really does start with finding people that you resonate with. A lot of people will come to me to work with me and sometimes they're coming for acupuncture, but really they're coming for results. Acupuncture is my tool and my tool bag. It's one of my tools. I have a lot of other tools, but really it's about the results that I can help people achieve in their lives. And I think all of us in this panel are doing that in our personal and professional lives. And I would say to anyone listening, if you're looking to make some changes in your life, really know what you want and just being open for it to come in so many different ways. Cause it could be through acupuncture. It could be through jujitsu. <laughs> it could be through reading the romance novels. It, it, it just could be meeting someone for coffee and just being really vulnerable and talking about what you're going through and opening yourself up to help from your peers and your friends and not letting anyone tell you you can't achieve things in your personal life, in your health, in your professional life. I think one of the best blessings of the pandemic was it really got us in touch with who we are on a personal level, we all had a lot of alone time, more alone time as a collective than we'll probably ever get in history again. And I saw a lot of people make big changes in their lives and a lot of them for the better. And I think that with the internet and with social media, we can connect to so many different kinds of people. Someone out there is gonna resonate with you. Someone out there is gonna help you and you're gonna be able to help someone. So. I'm just tickled that we got to do this today. Yeah, I'm level acupuncture. I work with patients in San Diego. I have a virtual consulting practice as well. And I do a lot of YouTube videos to help educate. So people can find me there and on Instagram. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. I also want to say, Helene, this is beautiful. And the platform you've created and the relationships you. you brought together. I have some thoughts to, to give this to some closure. This. I was just taking some notes on so many different interesting things that we've said throughout this entire collaboration. All I have to say is every day I am empowered by women who have given me the power and my mojo to think differently about platforms in my life my personal, well, obviously my personal life, my professional life. I want to go off a little bit with Cindy was saying, you know, referencing education. You know, education is great, but there's more than just education to what we're talking about here today. Focusing on the mental health perspective, of course, that's the platform of coming from the heart. To think about others, to think about, there's so many people that are going to be listening to this podcast, to never feel alone to spread kindness to one another, to care about each other, to eradicate stigmas. Mental health stigmas are at a continuum. Suicides and ideations of suicide are a pandemic in itself. I'm so honored to be touched with so many different platforms now of people trying to intervene with 
people not being in a space to want to take their lives. It's called QPR. And I am just so honored to have this platform. I'm so honored to have all of your voices here today. I want to do this again and again. The more that we can get our voices out there, Mel and everybody, and Cindy and Pallavi and Dina and Andrea, who popped off, Tashina and Erin. Yes, and Lindsay. Yes, thank you. The bottom line is that we as women need to continue our voices as we have are following in the past of women in the 70s who went out into the workforce, who were stay at home, who went out to provide for their families, who juggled it all. And for the next generation, absolutely to continue to keep doing what we're doing so that they will not have to encounter some of the situations that we have. So let's continue our voices as strong as they are today. And I'm ready, if you are, Dina, to come on back and get this panel going for another round. We had some amazing voices last week. I don't want to forget about all those wonderful people that came on to say hi to us. I'm glad we split this in two because we had a lot of people. But the more, the better. And again, thank you from my heart, from coming from my heart, to all of you to be here today and share these moments and space. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, have a great evening. I just want to take a moment and thank all of the voices of these empowering women who came on to share their personal journeys of empowerment and how they connect to their own communities. So thank you. Thank you. I also wanted to thank you for giving us your voices of passion towards changing the way we've been socialized as women and society. I was humbled by both nights empowering conversations that were energizing and electrifying. Story chaser by heart, XOXO Helene. Please check out my episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and weekly Instagram lives where I am honored with talented, exceptional guests. Can't wait to see you all there.